If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi there and welcome to the show. Why don't you introduce your family, like how old your type 1 kid is and how long they've been diagnosed, and then um, let me know what's bringing you here, what the issue is that you'd like to discuss today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I have type one diabetes. I've had it since I was a kid and my daughter was diagnosed with type one in January of this year. And Mm -hmm. she was six when she's diagnosed and she is seven years old now. Mm -hmm. And overall, I think we've been doing a good job with managing her actual diabetes, but we've had a lot of challenges recently with her pulling off her pump and Dexcom and denying that she pulled it off. Um, and then just not being truthful about the, the vices and how they came off and, and what happened. And we try to give her a lot of autonomy with where we put her devices, when we change them, if she wants, we always tell her she can take a break from her pod or her Dexcom whenever she wants for as long as she wants. Um, not that we want to do that, but to try to give her some control over the situation. And usually she wants to put one back on pretty quickly when she's ready for a snack or doesn't want to do a finger stick. But, but recently she pulled off a pod before bed one night and didn't, we didn't know about it until the next morning. And then, um, she's pulled off pods a couple times while at camp that we've had to come replace for her. So just trying to figure out what's going on there and to help us remain sane through all of this. So I kind of want to back up because you had emailed me about the situation before bed. And, um, and what I'm thinking about is that, (laughs) that it it seems like a really logical narrative, right? If the pods are falling off that much, um, it seems like she would be pulling them off. But I think given what we've talked about before that you haven't actually seen her pull them off. Is that right? That's correct. Uh-huh. Uh, and the one before bed, I think was the most extreme because she had no insulin overnight and mm-hmm. that's potentially very dangerous. Uh, yeah, we had changed that one before bed and there was a little bit of a crease on the back of it. We let her put it mm-hmm. on herself. She wanted to, and then it wasn't laying perfectly smooth. And she came in to tell me there's a crease and it's falling off. And I told her, I promise it's not going to fall off while you're, while you're just sleeping. If there's still a crease in the morning, we'll put an overlay on it. Um, she gets skin reactions to everything. So I didn't want to put a ton of adhesive on day one if I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the one that she pulled off herself and then denied pulling it off and couldn't mm-hmm. even find it the next morning. Eventually we did, but um, it was hidden somewhere. Huh. Okay. And um, is she having skin reactions to the pumps? So when you take them off, there's a lot of redness, like what's happening with that? Uh, usually with the overlay, she'll end up getting redness. The actual pump is okay. We put Flonase under it and the actual pump site usually looks okay, but any sort of overlay, the, the cute overlays um, usually end up causing a skin rash around the edge of it. And could you use Flonase for that as well? Have you tried? 
Uh, we haven't tried because usually when her pump's falling off, it's like we're out somewhere or we're swimming or we're mm -hmm. doing something and we're just trying to get it to hold on a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you, how are you talking about this with her? Um, every time it's happened until today, um, I've been calm and asked her, what happened? Did your pump come off? What, you know, how, how did this happen? And I don't question her. Like when she tells me that she didn't take it off, that it just came off while she was asleep. Um, in my head, I panic, but on my face, you know, I tell her, okay, well let's put another one on. Where do you want your spot to be? Where should we put it? Or do you want to do a shot right now and then put one on in a little bit and have a little break? Um, so I'm putting on a calm front with her and acting like it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is, it is mm -hmm. a big deal and I'd mm -hmm. like to help her. Mm -hmm. Well, and yourself. Right. And so I, I wonder, like, I wonder a little bit and we'll see how useful this is to explore, but I wonder what the narrative is in your head about it. Like, what are you saying about this in your head? I, I think for her, she wants control over something. And I don't know if it's diabetes in general, or just control over, you know, where things are and when they're there, or she's, when she does it at camp, part of me wonders if she needs a check-in from me or her dad, or just wants a check-in from someone or someone to come see her or just to get extra attention. Um, and extra one-on-one -on -one, or a reason to call mom and dad, a reason that somebody has to stop what they're doing and, and come over and put on a pod. Mm -hmm. um, and then this morning it happened at gymnastics camp. So we were late for our recording and I ran over and put on a new pod and it was great in a great spot. And then while I was driving home, she called and said it got knocked off again. And it just, it's not possible. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The story doesn't fit. Um, and that time I was, I was frustrated because I was late for this. And I told her, I'll, I'll send your dad over, but you can't have your snack until you have a new pod on. She was already mm -hmm. at 170 and she said, well, send him right now. And I said, I'm going to, but he might not get there. You have to wait for your snack until you have your pod on because your pod is very important and you can't get your medicine without having a mm -hmm. pod on. Mm -hmm. And do you wear a pod? What do you wear? I do. Um, Omnipod and, and Dexcom and she uses Dexcom G7. I use G6. I do not like G7. It's so hard to keep it on. The adhesive is so much smaller um, and it doesn't, the connection range is not as far. So her phone has to be closer to her, but she likes it and it doesn't hurt as much. So we let her pick what she has. And I always tell her, if you don't want to wear your Dexcom, we can do finger sticks. And if you don't want to wear a pod, we can do shots. You know, you have to get your long acting and short acting, but if you don't want to wear these things, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. mm. It sounds like you really have so much empathy in so many ways for, and, and are actively trying to present her with all kinds of choices that she could have. Yeah. which feels really important. Yeah. So this is, this is tricky. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have a question. Do you have other children? Yes. We have a son as well. Who's nine. Okay. So he's older. Yes. Uh huh. And your daughter, I just want to be clear. So she's been diagnosed for about eight months. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. And has she had any exposure to other kids wearing 
technology? I mean, obviously there's you, right? You're a yes. good role model, but has she had other experiences with other people? Yes. Yeah, so she did a one week uh, day camp for diabetes. And then she did one week overnight camp for kids with diabetes at your recommendation from your podcast. A lot of times you say, you know, get around other kids, get around other families. So we did that for her. And I wasn't sure if she would stay for the full week of overnight diabetes camp. She's never been away from us for that long, but she did. She had a great time. She got to see all the, the kids with all their devices and, mm -hmm. and everything. And one of her friends uh, at camp this week also has type one and uses a tandem pump. So uh -huh. there's another kid with her this week uh -huh. even. Uh -huh. And when she was at diabetes camp for that week, the day camp, did her did she have any phone calls to you about the pod coming off or they would have been able to change it? Um. They would have been able to change it. They really encouraged uh, kids to not have any communication with parents during that time because they were responsible for the kids. Um, but she did refuse to eat low snack. One of the times they wanted her to eat a bunch of glucose tabs and juice that would have spiked her. Um, and she made them text me to ask if it was okay because she knew that that was way too much for her mm -hmm. to eat. Mm -hmm. um, but that was the end. So I got one text, but that was it. And then at the overnight diabetes camp, um, they really you can't even see the kids' blood sugars. You know, they yeah. do everything there. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, good. So I have to say, I don't have a clean answer for you, right? I have a path that I feel like would be worth exploration. Um, so I think you're doing a great job staying calm and a really nice job offering choices. And that does seem important. But what I'm sensing here is that she's actually quite anxious. And she's wanting more, I, I don't know, I, what I need to name first is I don't know what that anxiety is exactly. I don't know what she's anxious about, but some of the solution to it seems to be removing her pump. And to me, some of that could be exactly what you speculated, that it would be a good idea to have contact with mom or dad. And it sounds like you in particular right? Because you're the person, you're the front line and maybe dad is the second front line. Um, but I wonder about that, about her needing more contact with you um, because there's something about having the pump on, having diabetes, having, I don't know. That's what I don't know is making her anxious. And I mean, I, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was five and there were no pumps. There were no right. CGMs. Yeah. Yeah. It, life was very different. When my son was diagnosed, you know, he wasn't on a pump, but there were no CGMs that were reliable or good to use. So I, I get what that's like. Um, but what the reason I asked is because I think you can really imagine the, and maybe you don't remember, That's that might be tricky too, but I would think that you could imagine into what it's like for a very young child to be suddenly saddled with this thing where she knows that there's danger right? She knows that you and your husband are keeping her safe. But in like, when you think about it, the times she's removing it are all times when she's removed from you. Bedtime, right? And that's often a time when children like going to bed and going to school are often times where you get a lot of resistance from young kids, because the separation is anxiety provoking for them. Right? Mm -hmm. And the pods are com coming off, you know, she's saying they get knocked off. Um, when she's separated from you. It's not when she's sitting watching TV and you're right there making dinner, right? Yes. Correct. So I think that we need to take that as some kind of communication. And what I don't know is what is she communicating, right? 
um, we can think about that and we can think about what a strategy could be to manage it. But I just want to pause and see from you, like, how does that feel when I say, you know, there's some communication, there's some anxiety there. I think you're hitting the nail on the head hundred mm-hmm. percent. So tell me, I'm curious about the anxiety piece because you haven't talked about her temperament or about what, you know, like how this has been for her. So help me understand that. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely been a big shift for her. She likes to be a very independent child and to do things on her own. So we do, we try to let her do everything she can and wants to do yet still be there to provide support. So she enters all of her carbs herself into her pump, but she knows that a, a grown up has to say, okay, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if she doesn't want to enter her carb, like she forgets her phone all the time or like, I'll tell her, Hey, that's, you're going to eat that. Okay. It's 14, put it in your pump and she'll forget to put it in. So I still double check everything and can mm-hmm. see on my phone what she's doing. And if, if she does forget, I just pick up her phone and enter it for her, or move her phone near her and try not to, to get upset about it. Um, mm-hmm. Or put her phone in a, a fanny pack and strap it around her waist if she's just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and did, did she say she wanted to enter the carbs? A lot of times she does. She wants to do it herself. And then this morning she wanted to write down the carbs for her lunch and she wanted to add up the numbers. And at gymnastics camp, they have a little like area you can buy snacks. So she's been taking money and buying a snack like chips and then adds it to her carbs, um, which is... Mm-hmm good and responsible and her, I mean, it's, it's good. It's more than what I think she's capable of doing, but she's, it's been fine. So I didn't criticize anything Mm -hmm. at all this Mm -hmm. week. And Mm -hmm. I think she's capable of a lot. I just want to make sure that she's supported while she's doing those things and doesn't have to do it. That feels really important. And I, and I'm glad that you're recognizing that because I do think that one of the things I've seen a trend in parents where, and I think it's because of cell phones, honestly, where the kids can uh, manage on their own because there's cell phone communication with the parents, but developmentally, they're not actually ready. So I think um, this is slightly different. Your daughter is saying, I want to. Uh, That's different than a parent saying, okay, you can, so do it. Um, And like, if she forgets, I think it's gonna be really important for you to remember that actually what she's picking up as the load is really genuinely too much for a seven-year-old. And so the problem, of course, like you being very honest about that you get irritated, of course you do because you think she's got it, but she actually doesn't. And what I wanna say to you is, yeah, she really shouldn't at seven, Not and not in a judgy way, but like we shouldn't have that expectation of her. And so anything she does should be like, wow, look at her. <laughs> and then you should expect to pick everything else up. Okay. Yes. yes. So, so well, I don't ever show that on the outside. Yeah, when I get it. I mean, I get irritated, it. But, I get it. Yeah, yeah. This is a hard dance you're doing. So what I'm hearing is that you have an anxious and independent child, right? Which is a kind of rough combination for her, if you think about it, right? Like she wants to be independent, but the independence itself creates some anxiety. Um, right. And, and what I'm hearing honestly, is that she kind of needs to touch the rock a little more. Like she needs contact with you. That's what I, my guess is, is that there's some anxiety that comes up. I have no idea what that anxiety says for her. And she's kind of needing contact. So one thought I have is actually to stop pretending with her that she's not taking off the pump. 
right? You're kind of colluding with her, honestly. What I would think about saying is, hey, sweetie, I'm noticing that your pump falls off a lot. It's happening a lot. Even when I think it's really secure, you're saying that it's falling off. And I'm wondering if sometimes you're just taking it off because it's easier because there's something else that you need and or you don't want it on or you want to reach out to me. And I, that's fine. If you're doing that, that's totally fine. I want to understand if that's what's happening. Um, I, I might start languaging it like that and seeing... Now, she might hesitate to tell you the truth still, right? But I want you to make room for that as a possibility. I want you to so- like have zero judgment, upset, right? Which I know you're having a dance with that. And that makes sense. It's pretty irritating to get multiple calls about things that have fallen off. And also there's fear, right? Like what if she takes it off in the night? Um, but I think it might be useful to kind of gently call her bluff because there's a way that you're, you're agreeing in the lie um, and lie is too strong a word. You're agreeing in the whatever, the anxious behavior. And, and so I, I might test that out with her a little bit gently. I might also, uh, depending on her response, I might say, um, I'm thinking here, I'm playing in my mind, but I might say something like, I could see that sometimes you might want me to come to camp or sometimes you like I wonder with a six or seven year old and her pump has a crease and she's anxious about it coming off and what does it mean and the whole thing makes her nervous uh so you know I mean taking her pump off at night is not a great strategy for that but she's not she's not actually a logical creature but I just wonder if she's needing more something from you like if that's a night where she sleeps on the floor in your bedroom which is not something I normally want to um condone like I don't I don't want that kind of like more enmeshed behavior to be a solution but I also feel like she's needing contact more and I want you to figure out ways and we can strategize this a little to figure out ways to give her permission to be asking for that instead of the pump coming off being the strategy to get it and and again this is a speculation right like you're gonna try this and it might not be right at all and you might come back on and this might be part two, we try again and we think again based on the new information, but I'm going to be quiet now and see how this all lands for you. Yeah. I think that's, you know, definitely a good place to start to try to see if I can figure out what's going on in, in her head. And then Mm -hmm. the time that happened before bed, thinking about, she was up late, she was stalling, typical stalling behavior. And in hindsight, I could have gotten out the Flonase, sprayed it on her leg, put an overlay Mm -hmm. over, made her happy mm-hmm. and had her go to bed and maybe the pod would have stayed on. And, and if that's the right thing to do, cause it provides the reassurance that she needs and mm-hmm. you think that that's helpful, I can certainly do mm-hmm. that. Um, if it would be helpful. And then a question I have for you is I've, you know, with G7 falling off, I've talked to her about, we might need to go back to G6 just cause there's more adhesive and it stays on so much better. Or if she's going to be taking her pump off, the thought has crossed my mind. I could always give her some Lantus once a day so that she's got her basal insulin on so that if her pod falls off, it's not a big deal. She can do an injection for lunch, whatever meal it's, you know, it's not an ideal situation. Is it 
okay to discuss those. I mean, I kind of feel like it's threatening something because with Lantis, it's an extra shot every day. Um, and G6, it's not what she wants. Is that an okay approach or should I just completely kind of keep those off the table and focus on trying to understand what's driving her behavior? I want to back up before I answer that question to this idea of if I should put on the Flonies at night and that would, um, that would help, you could do that. I think how it would be useful to think about this is that she's anxious and that she's needing some reassurance from you. And if it continues for, let's say, another six to nine months, you might need to think about how to address the anxiety, right? But in this age child, I feel like you need sort of a six month window, right? Because there's so much developmental change and diabetes is a big curveball that get that got thrown to you and to her, less to you because you're so familiar, but to the family. Yeah. Um, but I think like recognizing the anxiety is going to be helpful. And, and ultimately, there's actually a, a book that I want to recommend to you called Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. That book has really lovely language for how to talk to young children about their anxiety. And what it does, if I'm remembering correctly, is it, um, it kind of personifies the anxiety as other than the child, right? Separate from so that the child figures out how to talk to the anxiety and that the anxiety isn't them. Right. I think right now she's pretty anxious. That's the feeling I have. And so, yes, anything you can do to help her. And I think starting to get language, if you can figure it out with her about like this, I, I'm making some assumptions here, but this behavior being connected to anxiety, that the anxiety is saying something in that moment. It's saying, I need my mom. Um, I'm too worried about diabetes. I don't know what it's saying. Right. Um, so if you can work with her to figure out what's happening right before she pulls it off, right, that's what you want to know ultimately. Yeah. And she is not sophisticated enough to understand that yet. But I think, again, sort of helping call her on it gently and saying, I think something's happening here beyond it falling off. It doesn't really make sense to me. You have total permission to tell me, like, I want to help you understand what's happening. And I, and, and maybe it's that you come to camp for lunch. I don't know, three days a week in a week. I, I have no idea. Like maybe she's needing more of you because she's more whatever anxious because yeah. of diabetes, because I don't know, right? Okay, let's let's toggle to your other question. Okay, before we toggle to your other question, actually, I want to see how that how that sits for you. I mean, I can like definitely check in more and try to understand what she needs or how how she needs connection. Mm -hmm. um, and if with shifting to the school year, that's a whole nother yep. hurdle that we will cross yep. in the next few weeks as well. And so it may evolve over time. Um, but I can definitely mm -hmm. do that or have my husband volunteer in her classroom. Mm -hmm. um, some at least at the beginning of the school year so that she knows she has that that constant check in and we have an amazing health tech who she knows and loves and um, Hopefully we can partner there to try to get some more reassurance, check-ins, support. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. 
And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type 1, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at DiabetesSweetTalk.com. So you have another question, which is about how much to talk to her about options. Frankly, I think she's too young. I think you you can just tell her what's happening next, right? Like if you're, you can say to her, you know, the pump's coming off too much. And so I think for a while, we're just going to go back to shots. And let's see how that works. Because part of what I hear is the independence is, um, and it's important, right? She's asking for it, but I also have a feeling, and this is my gut response. So maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me if you disagree with me, I'm fine with that. I, I have a feeling it's like a little too much for her. And so the, the reaction of needing to, to touch in with you guys a lot strikes me that, that, that she's a little anxious because she's being asked to do too much. Yeah. And the thought with the options of G6 or Lantus is not more an option. It's more a consequence of pulling things off. And that's Mm -hmm. probably not the right route to go. If this is stemming from anxiety and needing more connection, consequences probably aren't going to help the underlying situation. Mm -hmm. But I think you can think about it not as a consequence. You can think about it as just a reality of how you can help manage it better. And maybe if you're actually giving a shot instead of, maybe it feels more personal to her, right? You're there, right? If you're, the thing about the pump is it's, it's being changed, you know, every two to three days, there's that, that touch point. But if it's every three days, that's different than giving shots, right? You're, you're there more. So I, I wouldn't even frame it as a consequence. I might just say, I think that it's not working so well. Things are falling off a lot or they're coming off a lot right? Coming off is completely neutral language. And, um, and let's just try something else and see how it goes. Like it doesn't have to be loaded. It can just be that you as a parent are deciding that it's time to try something different. How does that feel? Because you're such an independent kid and you're, you're working so hard to give her the, the autonomy to be independent. And I'm saying something pretty different than that. So I wonder how that, I mean, using any CGM and pump with Wii's closed loop system is so much easier for yes, us to deal course. with. So um, I don't want to explore other mm-hmm. options. I don't want to go back to shots. It's so much easier yep. to have things just constantly being tweaked in the background for us. So yep. um, I, that's what I definitely prefer to use mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. I just want it. I want it. I want it to work well. I want to help her navigate mm-hmm. this. And it's so different from, a toddler who pulls things off, who's completely irrational about what they're doing. It's, it's you know, there's definitely something behind it that mm-hmm. I wasn't able to identify. Mm-hmm. Well, but if you think about it this way, if a toddler pulls things off, um, they are also communicating something. They're saying this hurts. I don't like it. It itches. It's uncomfortable. They're saying something, right? She's saying something. And we just have to get to the root of trying to understand what she's saying. And in this case, it feels less clear. The thing about a toddler pulling it off is it's very clear what they're saying. And and one of the unfortunate things about diabetes is we kind of override 
a lot of that communication about physical discomfort, right? We are hurting our children. And so with a toddler, we put it on like on their butt, under their backward zipped jammies, so they can't get to it, right? But in her case, she's saying something a little more sophisticated and a little harder for us to parse and understand. And so I think it's going to take some work to just try to understand what's happening for her. Like I, I do, I am genuinely curious in the moment right before the pump comes off, right? That's neutral. Um, what happens for her? Like, I don't think she can answer that question yet. I'm guessing she can't, but like, if we're agreeing that she pulls it off, what is happening for her in the moment right before she pulls it off? Is it, is there some discomfort with having diabetes? Is there some discomfort with being alone with diabetes, right? Because it sounds like she wasn't demonstrating these kinds of behaviors before diabetes came. So there's something about having diabetes alone that's raising her anxiety. Yeah. And even the first six months of having diabetes, things, things were not coming off. They were staying on just fine. Mm -hmm. So she might be communicating. I am so done with this, which is very normal. Me too. I'm done with this yeah. six months in. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think to validate that if, if that's what start like, um, I don't know if you've been with, you know, followed me long enough to ever do my validation tool work with me, but my validation tool is essentially the short version is, um, you know, you just sitting with what it's like for her and getting kind of gooey there and saying, yeah, it makes so much sense that you'd want to take your pump off because maybe you're done with being such a good girl and having all this responsibility. You didn't ask for this. Of course you don't want to wear this thing. So that's another that's another working operating theory. Maybe it's not anxiety, although the nighttime one makes me think it could be uh, just because she seemed so anxious about there being the crease in the, in the, um, in the adhesive, but you know, maybe it's just, I am done. I am, this is, I'm, this is not fun anymore. It's kind of like when you have a sibling, right? At first they're cute. You like them, you kiss them, you show what a good big sister you can be. You like really do the thing. And then grandma goes home and then some mom is so distracted and you're like, can we send this baby back, please? Right. It's, I think it's a very similar trajectory with diabetes. Yeah, I think you're right. So play, try different things, talk to her, see what, she, see what information you get so that you can understand better what she's trying to communicate. I will. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for coming on to the show. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type one, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.